0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the show about Titanic. This is your host, Edward, and today we are interviewing Steve Blasco, who's one of the first people to go down to the wreck of the Titanic. Without further ado, let's get started. So, Steve, can you tell me and the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, okay. My name is Steve Blasco, I'm a marine geologist. I have spent 40 years of my working life studying the ocean floor in Canada and Bermuda and Japan and uh, a few other places. So, wherever there's an engineering problem, I'm actually an engineering geologist, primarily working on issues related to engineering developments on the ocean floor and problems with the stability of the ocean floor.
0: That is really interesting, Stephen. So what was it like to go down to this hack in a submarine? Like, was it boring because it didn't have any internet? Or was it just interesting in general because you got to see the ship?
1: Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is Erie. It, it took us two and a half hours to go down 3,800 metres. There were three of us in a Russian Mir sub. And we landed on the seafloor just ahead of the bow. Section and then we uh, actually approached it right right up the bow stem and over across the main anchor, which you're very familiar with. And we landed on the foredeck between the two uh, chains that went to the starboard and port anchors to observe the deck. And uh, as a geologist, I was very interested in the geology around the wreck, but we're also working in biology and chemistry. But as when we sat down the deck, I thought. For the first time I said, this is really eerie because there's no sound and it's pitch black except for our, our lights and it's cold. It's just one degree, it's just about freezing. And it's the first time I've ever had that feeling. I've been in submarines before and never felt that eerie. And then I realized it was really the gravesite of 1,500 people and that really uh, struck home at that point.
0: What was the most haunting thing that you saw on the wreck?
1: Oh, interesting question. What was the most haunting? To me, the most haunting thing, which relates to the idea that it was very eerie with the fact that um, people died. And you know, I was a scientist and I wasn't really paying attention to that until we landed on the deck. You know, and what's interesting, every Kristoff and I were talking after his dive and he said, you know, Steve, it reminds me when we landed on the foredeck and looking back, at all those decks, it reminded me of looking at a haunted house in an old graveyard. It had that haunted feeling.
0: Did you take any photos of
1: the wreck while you were down there? Yes, we did. I was working with uh, IMAX Corporation at the time. They actually shot a docudrama called Titanica, which aired in the mid-90s, actually just before the James Cameron's Big Titanic uh, came out. So we were involved with that, and we actually were given access to that imagery for scientific purposes. We were basically the first uh, detailed science program following uh, Robert Ballard's uh, discovery of the wreck in 85. So we were basically involved with trying to understand the geology, biology, chemistry uh, that was going around uh, on on the wreck. Bob Ballard, of course, he launched his expedition from our house here uh, in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. And and we learned a lot. He was very worried that the Titanic, what might have been at 53,000 tons, might have been buried into the seafloor. And he was worried that they may not find it. And when he found it resting on the seafloor, he had this question why didn't it sink? So our question from one marine geologist to another was, how come the ship isn't buried in the bottom? Well, it turns out, by luck, the Titanic landed in a uh, submarine uh, landslide that occurred maybe a million years ago. And all the soft sediments on the seafloor have been washed down smoke. So Titanic was basically resting on very hard, dense uh,
0: sediments. Did Robert give you a call when he found the ship? He's like, hey, we found the ship. Did he give you a call? Or was it just like kept quiet? Uh, no, what happened was
1: uh, I was at work and I came home. It was announced on the media in the States and my neighbors were sitting in the backyard and I said, why are you there? They said, didn't you hear? He found it. He found that ship. You know, that guy was here a couple of months ago and told us he was going to go hunt for the Titanic and we didn't believe him. Well, he found it. He actually found it. <laughs> you didn't believe him? Oh, yeah. I definitely believed him. And then short while after that, in the discussion, it was a uh, Well, uh, it obviously wasn't buried in the bottom. He said, no, it was resting on the bottom. And that's a bit of an enigma to me because he and I are both marine geologists. So he said, well, uh, maybe at some point in time, we'll be able to go back and look at the geology. But he did a great job of actually documenting the wreck itself. And that was our starting point.
0: What tech was given to you by IMAX or what tech was given to you in general? Like, I believe you're still using the mere subs that were used by the Soviet Union when they are investigating the wreck. That's right. We had two subs, and uh, one, of course, uh, was
1: safety for the other, but also provided lighting and also did the filming. So one sub could film in the other. We used basically IMAX technology, which is large seventy millimeter film, and that, of course, Stephen Oll, who was interested, wanted to match a very large um, film to the very large wreck. And that started the whole process. And then later on, James Cameron used the same people, the same technology to do his
0: film. How big was the submarine? Like I presume it would be very small for the 1980s, like early nineties.
1: Well, actually there was only a few subs in the world. I think four at the time that could go to depths of four to 6,000 meters. And they were about eight meters long. And, uh, Well, the the sphere we're inside, three people inside a uh, two meter diameter sphere, titanium, and uh, the pilots right in the center and uh, two uh, passengers, one on each side of the pilot, and all their equipment and life support systems and your food and your coffee, everything was uh, with you in that small space.
0: When did you last visit the ship?
1: Oh, it was quite a while ago. Uh, it was uh, 1991 that we did the survey with IMAX. Of course, since then, there's been other surveys. That the French got very involved, from here And uh, we were never involved with any recovery operations. Our interest was in science and, and non-intervention. In fact, I did meet Eva Hart uh, before we did the filming. And uh, she was very curious. She said, are you going to go down and, and disturb my father's gravesite? I, is that your intent? I said, no, we're not intervention. We're uh, going to take photos and sediment samples, and we're going to try and understand the wreck site. Oh, really? Anyway, and then when I could tell she was not too confidence in what I was saying. But a year later, uh, after, well, when she came back to Toronto, I met her again, and I sat down with her, and she said, I want to hear what you found. We said, well, we've discovered why the ship sank so quickly and why the fact that the steel was brittle, even though it was the very best steel of the time that Harlan and Wolf used. They didn't know about brittleness till the 1930s, and then we found 24 species of animals on the bottom and everything, and she said, so you're still making discoveries? I said, we sure are. And she said, you know, that makes me feel better that we can still learn from such a horrible tragedy.
0: Wasn't she eight years old when the ship went down?
1: Uh, yeah, son eight years old. And, of course, uh, she lost her father. And she and her mother uh, survived. And, of course, she returned to the U.K. I, I believe when I was talking to her, she had taught music. During her life, and had been involved with lots of community things, maybe a judge and whatnot. And I tell you, she was very with it. She died in '96, and I think she was 91 years old, if those numbers work right. But I found her uh, very interesting to deal with, and she was very intense in terms of trying to really try to understand that we were still learning, we could still learn, and we could still learn in the future. I said that, wreck. Don't forget, when it hit the bottom, it was brand new, and that's unusual for any vessel. So anything that happens with that wreck since would be a function of its time on the
0: ocean floor, and it could be a time marker for the future. Did anything amaze you, like the condition of the ship, did anything amaze you of how well-preserved it was?
1: Well, the big amazement was the difference between the bow and the stern. The bow was—it was full of water when it broke away and sank, so it didn't implode. The stern was full of air, and it imploded, and it collapsed uh, rapidly to the bottom. And of course, it was very dangerous to work around. Uh, so we uh, were very careful in moving around the stern to take photos. But the huge contrast between bow and stern which actually, you know, the recent imagery that's just come out of Magellan Limited uh, with a 3D view of Titanic, where they've actually collected 700,000 images, uh, you can see that huge
0: change. Did you happen to go into the ship yourself, or were you just mostly taking photos of the outside?
1: Oh, no, we actually uh, started out in the foredeck. We landed there, and then we lifted off. And we basically completed a, a detailed survey of the ship itself and then out onto the seafloor. And we were able to collect uh, sediment samples. Uh, we had a little uh, core tubes on the sub and we uh, pushed those tubes into the bottom and recovered sediments for analysis. That's how we learned it was uh, uh, sitting in a, a landslide uh, scarp. Then we went across the seafloor and it was all uh, the debris field, which contained the boilers, which Ballard first spotted was a boiler, and lots of uh, artifacts from cabins and uh, toilets and bed springs and just debris everywhere, even a lot of uh, pots and pans from uh, the galley and uh, plates and, and whatnot. And then we got to the stern, and you can actually in the stern see the uh, the engines because that about the point where the ship broke in half again it was very difficult to work around the stern
0: you previously mentioned that three people could fit in the submarine was there anyone notable who was in the submarine with you uh <laughs> to me the notable one was the pilot that he had to get us down and get us back
1: <laughs> our dive was 17 hours and uh our pilot uh, his name was victor uh he did not speak english but I was with a Russian geologist, and he could speak quite good English. So we uh, he had one porthole. I had a porthole, and the pilot had a porthole. And uh, Victor got his instructions from uh, the geologist, and then we, we moved around to collect sediment samples and whatnot. As I mentioned, we are not intervention. We were not recovering any artifacts or anything related to any of the passengers on board. But yes, he was a notable person. Oh, the other person we worked with, I should mention, was Emery Kristoff from the National Geographic Society. Emery did some of our photography on the bottom, and National Geographic did support our science program, and Emery did a lot of photography for us. So he was another uh, key person in the sub as well. In another time, another time. So, Steve, what
0: did you learn from studying the Titanic?
1: Well, that's very interesting because we were just talking about that the other day. Uh, it kind of stemmed from my dealings with Eva Hart when she said, well, tell me about what you discovered. And uh, in the end, we uh, a couple of major discoveries. One is that steel was brittle and it wasn't until the 1930s they understood that property. So it had nothing to do with Harlan and Wolf. They were using the best steel they could get, as I mentioned earlier. Also we discovered, our biologist, Lev Mosklev, said, oh, I'm not going down for very long, six hours. There won't be much there. He was 22 hours on the bottom. He actually pushed the limit. When he came back, he was about six foot six. He was a big fella. He said, My God, there's over 20 species of animals on the bottom. I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. So that was fascinating. And the chemistry, of course, uh, Ballard had discovered there were rusticles, like they were, looks like icicles made of rust. So we actually discovered they were actually composed of bacteria. So the bacteria were metabolizing uh, the steel and the hole and everything. And so they were uh, surviving on uh, by extracting uh, electrons off the iron and building these rusticles, and of course, if you get currents down there, they knock the rusticles off after a while, and they pile up on the seafloor. So that was a a very interesting discovery. And then we also discovered that when we did the stern, we're not allowed to go under the stern because you lose radio contact, but we did because Ballard hadn't had a chance to do that, and we found the uh, port and starboard propellers were actually resting. uh, You know, we could see the blades, which was odd because the most of the stern was buried in the bottom and then we noticed that right beside the blade, one of the blades was a porthole. So I thought, well, you know, that's one of two things. One is there are some very cheap seats on the Titanic and people could go down below and look out the porthole and see the blades go around, which is not very probable. And so and the other was that in actual fact the propellers and the shafts had sheared up the side of the stern and we're now pushed way up and now lined up with the first row of port walls. So that was a big discovery. On oh, the other kind of neat thing, if you look at photos of Titanic before she sailed, there is no block and tackle assembly on the very bow to support the 15-ton anchor. There was nothing. And yet, when we were down there, there was a huge block and tackle assembly on the bow. And uh, that had to have been installed while the ship was sailing.
0: That is really interesting. Were there any animals that you discovered that were never seen before, or like classified? Uh,
1: No, actually. uh, Lev said that they were all known species that we had seen elsewhere in the deep sea. But uh, the corals we saw, we made the first measurement of their growth rate. We'd seen them in the deep sea around the world, but nobody knew whether they took a decade, a hundred years to grow. They were all about the same height the corals were attached to pieces of the wreck. So we could then calculate the rate of growth by simply looking at the height, which was um, half a half metre or so, and then amount of time, eight decades, and we could then calculate the rate of growth of corals for the first time, and it's one centimetre per year. Okay, that is very
0: slow, but they could easily add up.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, quite, it's funny because we saw that the uh, coral was quite uniform in its height all around the ship and on the wreck when it was all anchored to the wreck. The only thing we didn't know is did the coral start to grow right away when the ship sank or was there a delay? So the growth rate we have would be a kind of a, a minimum, I guess.
0: What was it like when you met James Cameron? Like uh, you previously mentioned that you helped him with the movie.
1: That's correct. I met him first when Stephen Lowe was screening his uh, the first draft of the film Titanica. James Cameron was there. I ended up sitting beside him, but I didn't know who he was. We weren't introduced, and he kept asking me questions about the technology and everything. And anyway, he uh, it was kind of funny. I said I introduced myself. He said, I'm James Cameron. And of course, he's a Canadian director and producer, Of course, I was kind of shocked at that. And then he said, well, you know, I understand you've built a model of the bow. Yes, we have. He said, would you help me make a model of the bow? Because I want to be able to understand when I go down what I'll be filming and I pre-plan all my diving. So that was the, uh, the first effort in dealing with him was to help him build that model. And then when they launched the expedition from here to go down and film the recovery of the safe, uh, I went out to see with him while they did all the filming. I didn't go down in the sub at that time and it was all test trials off Halifax before they actually went to the site. So that was my involvement with him and he also said that, you know, I really appreciate that. So when we come back, you're quite welcome to look at the footage from inside the Titanic, to see if there's any new science that might help your research. And
0: you made good on that. Was there any new science that you found, or was it all already tracked information? What we found on the inside was,
1: uh, same as we found on the outside, what I really got distracted by was, of course, looking at the inside of the vessel. We could see the, the chandeliers. We actually saw a piano in the footage I had. All of that was amazing. And there wasn't any sediment inside the ship and not much in the way of rusticles. But the animals we saw, the crabs and the uh, corals and whatnot, were the same as we saw on the outside.
0: Okay, so thank you, Steve, for being on the show about Titanic. Thank you very much for asking. Even though we're half a world apart, this is uh, very fascinating. That is episode 10, Done and Dusted. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and remember to subscribe, or else. A special announcement, we now have a YouTube channel, and we're actively uploading new and old episodes. We will have a link to that mentioned channel in the description. If you've enjoyed the show, don't be hesitant to leave a review or a comment. Eric, whenever you're ready, stop the recording.